Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor because a healthy body is a sexy body. All right, modern lovers, welcome to our Modern Love radio show where we're going to talk about how modern lovers can learn from lovers of the past. And we're going to talk tonight about a very entertaining show and, uh, you know, the secret addiction that I have for Downton Abbey. And I have to tell you, I love, love, love the show. And why? Why would a modern woman be in love with this show about upper crust, stuffy people from England who with titles and all this other nonsense that goes on? And the reason is it's so lush and so beautiful. I can't get enough of looking at the costumes. And I think like many people, my favorite character is Maggie Smith, the queen of one-line zingers. Love, love, love them. So we're going to talk tonight just about the show and how we can learn something from the love affairs and why maybe sometimes entertainment is important for all of us because we modern people are wrapped a little too tightly and work a little too hard, and that's part of why I love the guilty pleasure. I escape into another world, and here tonight, who our guest says Downton Abbey as a show and a pop culture touchstone has a lot to teach us about relationships and modern love. She says too often we throw out the good from the past in our technological rush to connect, and tonight we get to explore the Downton Abbey effect with Alicia Young and learn how you can mine your own past for beautiful emotional treasures. Alicia is a U.S.-based TV journalist, author, speaker who's lived in eight countries, and uh, she's not on the run, anybody. She hasn't done anything illegal as far as we know. She just likes to travel. Her books run the gamut from modern manners, practical, not prissy, to being an egg donor, to her experience of working for Mother Teresa. And these books have won 16 awards to date, and she's known for her gentle humor. All right, Alicia, welcome to Modern Love Radio. Thank you, Dr. Brenda. I've really been looking forward to this. 
great. Well, I'm looking forward to it because I truly love Downton Abbey. Now, what is it about that show that makes us all fall in love with it? I think you hit the nail on the head is this wonderful chance to escape to a more gentle time. I think Downton Abbey has its roots in gentility and charm, decorum. It was a time when our manners were our social currency. Sure, you have the backdrop of the English aristocracy and the beautiful English countryside, and I love that you mention the sumptuous costumes. They, they really knew how to dress then. But I think it's that time of, on some level, when we're on the sofa watching these stories unfold about the Crawley family and all the people that work for them, we're taken back to a time where you know, life was unrushed. Today, as you said, we work so hard, we grab vacation so infrequently, and it's just a reminder that we can notice so much more around us and in our relationships when we really take a breath and slow down rather than always responding to the next call, the next tweet, the next beep. Today, our, our attention is quite fragmented compared to yeah. last generation. No question you know, about that, something. and that definitely has a devastating effect on relationships. Now, you know, I'm a very politically aware person, and I always look, oh, my God, you know, the Crawley family could be unrushed and have manners and sumptuous clothes because they had an army of servants who were rushing around and sweating <laughs> like crazy, taking care yes. of them. So I have to just say, you know, the relationships for the people below stairs are also part of what's featured in the show, and they're interesting yes. as well, aren't they? Absolutely. And we've got the, the slow-burning uh, relationship and romance in later life between Carson and Mrs. Hughes. And, you know, I, if you recall a scene uh, in one of the last episodes where, you know, they're getting to know each other even more on a different level, and there's this very simple gesture, Dr. Brenda, where they all go to the seaside, and it's a lovely yeah. getaway from, the run, you know, running the house, and they hold hands as they wade into the water. Yes, and Carson's was a little lovely. bit apprehensive. And it was such a lovely moment to say, you know what, it just represented happiness in later life and just a very gentle courtship between two people who had known each other for so long in a professional working way but were discovering other layers to themselves. And I think that touched a lot of people. Yes, it does because at any stage in life we all want love. And when we look at these Downton Abbey relationships, what do you think is the most important thing that their love affairs and their connections can teach modern people? I think we can we can actually look at communication a lot more differently. In that time, you know, again, the pace of life was unrushed, and they put time into true communication. When a gentleman called on a lady, on, on Lady Mary or Lady Edith, they sat down, they took tea, they actually listened to each other, they tuned into each other, and they gave each other the gift of active listening. Now, today when we have a conversation, we're often distracted. We allow ourselves to have our phones on. And, you know, I understand if we have children, you know, we can't just turn off our phones. But when we can really sit down with a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, or just a friend, and really give them our undivided attention, tune into what they're saying as much as what they're not saying, Dr. Brenda, tuning into their body language, that's a real gift in a relationship. And it's something I think 
we've lost a little bit. Today, you know, we teach each other. Oh, I think we've other. lost it more than just a little bit, Alicia. I think you may explain. You're right. This is one of the main things. Speaking as someone who spends all day, every day, either teaching trainings on how to be a better lover, be a better partner, how to show up for love, how to find love, how to keep love. I can tell you that what you just said is probably one of the number one issues for modern couples, and that is absolutely focused attention on one another. That whole idea of quality time, I'm here with you, for you, because I actually want to get to know you. And that's, that's a huge thing in this day and age when there's so many demands on our time and energy, all the different hats that we wear in life professionally, socially and within our families. It is such a gift to sit down and say, I'm putting aside the rest of the world for the next hour and we're just going to find out about each other. Something else in, in Downton Abbey, they really allowed things to unfold at a gentle pace. And today I think you know um, a lot of people can fall for immediate intimacy. You know, so when when I if I'm about to date someone, I have the option in today's world to go up and look at look at them online. Uh, on I can Google them. I can look at them on LinkedIn for a professional sense of them. I can look at them on Facebook for a social sense of them. All of that is fine, but it's supplemental. The real thing is person to person contact. When we start relying on texting, you know, texting is the fast food of communication. Indeed, it gets and like fast food, not necessarily yeah. nutritious, is it? Absolutely, doesn't have a lot of substance. It can well, get the, the job done. Well, the is we know for a fact the research shows, and I'm sorry my texters out there, that <laughs> research shows that if you text about things that are emotional, the mm-hmm. likelihood of a misunderstanding is extremely high, leading yes. to breakdowns, breakups, and all sorts of drama and trauma in relationships. So if you've got something emotional that you need to communicate about, text is not your best platform. It doesn't lend itself to nuance. And and people a lot of people today think that the use of emojis, of which there are so many more emojis now than even two years ago, that they can articulate, uh, articulate well what someone is thinking. They cannot. You're painting in very broad strokes. You're painting in primary colors. People don't talk about or feel about things in primary colors. We're very nuanced. And if I send you a text and I'm kind of flirting with you or getting to know you, it's just too easy to be misconstrued and to go down a different path that I would never have intended. So I couldn't agree more. You just can't substitute that time to say to someone, this is worth it. I'm putting aside the rest of the world and all the distractions. I just want to get to know you and let's see what happens. Speaking of texting being a big no-no, I've actually had people come in to some of our seminars and tell Mm -hmm. me that they were broken up with via text. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking and it's incredibly tacky. I mean, I remember, you know, that's a good word for it. (laughs) Basically, if we... No one in the Crawley family would ever do that, would they? Exactly. Can you imagine for a minute Lady Edith or Lady Mary, you know, sending away a suitor by text? I mean, it would be considered so socially awkward, so gauche that they would never, it would, it would reflect so poorly on her, but also on the rest of the Crawley brand, that she would never do something like that. Now, right. if and Lady what Mary... Was their brand? What was their brand? What would you say if you said, this is the Crawley brand? 
What it was about a family of dignity, a family with impeccable lineage, a family who took themselves seriously, but also had tremendous compassion and fairness toward the people, as he said, that small army of people that facilitated uh, their life and kept them going on a day-to-day -day basis. There were many times, if you remember, um, Mrs. Patmore had a, a bed and breakfast, and it was a big scandal because a married doctor took his mistress there for the day, and she was mortified to be associated with this extramarital affair. And, right. and everyone Macaulay, came down on her because in the Times it was guilt by association. Absolutely. <laughs> and she was mortified. And it was so touching and gracious, I thought, that Robert Crawley said, we're going to go down and we're going to take tea and we're going to make sure that the local paper covers it to restore Mrs. Patmore's good standing. And if you remember, Carson was horrified by that. He said, we can't do it. It's going to look really bad on the family. It's going to bring us into disrepute he was all dramatic and Robert Crawley said Lord Crawley Mrs. Patmore has given this family decades of good service now we can return the favor and I thought that was grace personified exactly. so there were a number of those kinds of things in the show now talk about something that I find is very very important in how the relationships were conducted whether it was below stairs or above stairs and that's this idea of respect and discretion, even disagreeing in a civil way, where we don't see a lot of that these days. Absolutely. We can look at the presidential uh, campaigns at the moment have descended into incivility. Must but look, you're absolutely that. right. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you're absolutely right. I mean, the way that they, they could disagree, but still acknowledge the quality and basic human dignity of the other person. And sure, you know, the Dowager Countess had wonderful put-down lines and things, but at the centre of it was, we can disagree uh, calmly, we can disagree fiercely, but we will walk away at the end of it and we will each acknowledge each other's respect. And I thought that was a lovely thing to do because whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether it's on the phone to customer service today, Civility so easily flies out the window. And in the time of Downton Abbey, you could fiercely defend yourself or your political cause or your religion or whatever it was, but you did it in that framework of manners and a, a basic brand of politeness. Um, and I think that was something that we, we could really borrow from yeah, today and in how we communicate. Part of what we've got today is we've forgotten that this respect, this way of treating people, in a genteel way, the word comes from gentle, and that yes. human beings are not machines. Every human being has deep feelings. Every human being can be easily hurt and damaged, especially if they're children. And there's a tendency to forget that we really have an obligation to treat other people as if they have feelings and as if they are as important and as valuable as ourselves, and it seems as if that's one of the key things. I hadn't even thought about it till just now. One of the key things that's reflected even in the broken love affairs, you know, when, when Mary had to turn away a suitor or Edith found out that the man she was falling for, you know, had a wife. Um, yes. It was all handled in a respectful way. Now, we actually, this is a principle. I just want to put this out for everybody. This is a core principle if you want a healthy relationship. And I think uh, there's an old saying somewhere, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or a Chinese <laughs> proverb. 
I think, captured it best. This proverb said, always treat your spouse as if they were the most honored guest. How lovely. That is so beautiful and so wise. I like that very much. Look, I think you're right. In Today, in our rush around and power plays and all that kind of thing, we can almost it can almost seem some days, Dr. Brenda, that kindness is taken for weakness, when in fact kindness is a strength. And I think we saw that in Downton Abbey. As you said, when Lady Mary turned away a suitor, or when Edith, poor darling, who never found love until the end, uh, was left at the altar, there was discretion, there was respect, and there was that framework of, this is how I'm going to comport myself in however the things go. There is a core to me, a center to me, which won't become ruffled. And I think today one of the issues is... Yeah, like poor Edith. Remember the scene where she's completely crushed and then she gets out of bed and says, I'm not going to lie in this bed and cry. I can go out and do some good in the world, basically. Yes, that was a wonderful moment for Edith. Yeah, and she did. She did. She did wonderful uh, social initiatives. In the end, she was uh, managing a newspaper, which was a huge thing for a woman of her time. She yeah. took on so many different things, and without wishing that heartache on her, uh, you know, she actually grew from that in how she chose to react to it. We can't always choose what happens to us in life, but we always have the option to decide how to react. And I think Downton Abbey has some good examples of that. Exactly, and we certainly want to choose to be, I can't say it enough, be genteel, be gentle with other yes. people. I you know, often sit in my office or sit in a, a training with people who feel so wounded by the mm-hmm. way someone they care for has spoken to them, as yes. if the fact that they care for the other person has given them license to be hurtful. When in fact, if someone cares for you, you have a greater responsibility and obligation to be gentle, to be kind, to be careful of their feelings, because it's uh, it's like planting a garden. You're not going to go in and trample the garden and then expect to be able to have fruit and flowers and food to eat. You've killed it. That's a wonderful analogy and a very important one because, you know, we, we, as we go through the different phases of a relationship, the initial, the flirting, the novelty of it, we decide we want to get to know each other more, we're still making an effort, still trying to impress each other, but as a long-term relationship unfolds from that, it can be so easy for any of us to take our loved ones for granted. And, you know, we end up speaking more politely and with more concern to a stranger at the store than we do to our partner. And it's so easily done. And as he said, it can wreak havoc, which is so hard to undo and takes so long to undo because the the people that we love have the power, positively or negatively, to have a, a deeper impact on us than anyone else. You know, they know us, they love us. And so when, excuse me, they use words to yes, wound. Yes, when you talk about the stick. art of apology in Downton Abbey, I want to make sure we talk about this. What was the sure, best he, apology in the whole series? What would you say was the best apology? Because there were several that were standouts. Gosh, yeah, there are a lot to choose from. I remember a time when Violet, the Dowager Countess, apologized in a very almost cryptic way but heartfelt way to Robert, to her son, uh, as if to say, look, I haven't given you credit uh, over the years and now I'm, I'm really trying to acknowledge what you have done both for the family and all the changing times post-war and everything else and how he looked after the home. And I felt like that was something, an acknowledgement 
that he hadn't got from his mother. What do you think were some of the apologies that, that really resonated for you? I think he had the, the biggest moment when he realized that someone he had absolutely mistreated, Bates, came to his aid. Yes, that was powerful, yes. Yeah, that was a, that was a lovely scene, and Thomas's whole trajectory over the course of the series was very interesting. But that was a, a lovely moment. You're absolutely right, and yeah, I had that. I great... mean, look, do you remember when Bates Burtz came and Thomas? Here's a guy walking with a cane, with a yes. war wound, and Thomas trips him and makes him fall on the gravel in front of everybody. The yes. humiliation of it. So he made that... it public. Oh, pu- absolutely! It was it was humiliating. Absolutely. And yet that same man who had every reason to hate him and yes. despise him came to his aid. And I thought that was just amazing. It showed so much character and strength. And it made Thomas stop and go, whoa. <laughs> <Why> <laughs> it really gave him pause. Yeah. Yes. That so, was lovely. Now, in terms of modern people learning to apologize, what's a good apology? A real apology really addresses the issue at hand. So if I've hurt you, if I've done something to hurt you or offend you, then a good apology is to address that, not to gloss over it. There is, you, we've probably all heard the non-apology, which kind of sounds like an apology, but it's really hollow. For example, Dr. Brenda, I'm sorry that I lost your dog, but really you should have told me that he takes off. Or, um, Dr. Brenda, I'm sorry that I lost your, your rhinestone bracelet, but come on, it was just a novelty thing, wasn't it? I mean, what we're doing, the first act of a good apology is to take responsibility and to say, you know what, those words, what I said in front of other people, it hurt you and it was very poor of me and I won't do it again. When we try to gloss over stuff, it just cheapens it. And how we apologize and if we apologize can cheapen or deepen our relationships. So it's exactly. really about you know, yeah, that's yeah, so important. We saw a lot of that in Downton, people who did poor apologies, and then we saw yeah. some good ones. Now, there is a checklist that we should mm-hmm. go through before moving in with a partner. And we saw Lady Mary with one of her suitors trying to go down the checklist to see if the sexual chemistry worked well. <laughs> There is a checklist, you're right. And, you know, you have to have that chemistry. You're not business associates. You're not starting a business together or undertaking a course together. You're undertaking a relationship together. And if you want to move in with someone, quite right. A couple of things, you know, is this person kind? I truly believe a kind and generous heart covers a multitude of sins. Maybe they're constantly late or they can't balance their checkbook, but if they're kind and generous, that's a good thing. Well, Are I'm your glad you valu- said that. You let me off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, are your values aligned? Are are you compatible physically? Absolutely. But are your values aligned? Well, this is a big deal because we go back to this scene with Lady Mary and her suitor. She actually goes away with him to a hotel, which in the day was scandal. Yes. To have a a sexual encounter and then leaves the sexual encounter going, "Mm, no, it's just not there for me. I thought that was a real turning point, both in uh, her relationships or how she sees herself with other men, with men, but also just in how women saw themselves at that time. That she was willing to, to you know, risk her family's social standing on some level to go out. Um, you know, I remember my mother saying, "Oh, you know, 
no sex before you're married. And I remember thinking, Mum, I want to try before I buy. You know, I oh. don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be with someone for 50 years if it turns out that we're not compatible physically. So she was appropriately horrified. But the oh, fact is, good like on you. <laughs> but good on Lady Mary for taking that chance to say, you know what, if we're going to take the next step with this, we have to have some chemistry there or we're basically, you know, roommates. So good for her. Absolutely. Now, what else is on that checklist in terms of before you move in with someone, before you move forward, what can the other relationships we've seen at Downton Abbey teach us? You know, I, I really think it comes again to down to awareness of, of good communication, sharing similar values and wants and goals in life. We saw a, a mismatch, if you like. What was presented as a big mismatch in Downton Abbey was Branson's love of Lady Sybil. And that crossed over class lines and, and everything at its core. But because they shared the same values, um, spiritually, politically, they were aligned. They were able to navigate those huge hurdles in front of them to the point where, you know, I, I believe they ran away and then they came back and had a child and then she got sick. But they were aligned in terms of their values. In the modern day stuff, absolutely, we want to be aligned with the, the, the man or woman we move in with. I would also say, are you aligned in terms of your financial values? Sorry to get all uh, practical here, but if one of you is a spendthrift and one of you, you know, is, goes in totally the opposite direction, that can be not insurmountable, Dr. Brenda, but it can provide problems. So exactly, and that's sure something, the by the page. way, I want to emphasize for people who are dealing with those disparities. Those are things that with some good love training, you can work those things out if you're both willing. Because we certainly yes. saw some of our characters work out real difficulties in Downton Abbey. It wasn't all smooth and easy. It wasn't roses for all of the couples. Now, let's talk about fighting. We saw some fighting. pretty good fights take place, even <laughs> with Bates and Anna, who were, you know, the most in love. We saw it with, uh, certainly with Robert and, you know, his American wife, you know, very oh, Cora, yes. different. Because yes. Cora's a pretty strong personality. So what are the rules for fighting in Downton that we can learn from? I think even when they were fighting, to some degree, they were fighting fair. Now, we can all say hurtful things in, in the, the heat of the moment. It's part of being human. But they would then sort of retreat to their corners, and they would think about it, and then they would speak in a more civil tongue, perhaps later that day or the next day. They also gave each other a bit of space to work through that. But I think on the whole, we saw a lot of them who were fighting over things that obviously they were passionate about, but they fought fair. And not a lot of them came back and said, you know, there was not a lot of name calling in that time. There wasn't a lot of bringing up something, you know, from six months ago. Oh, well, it's never good enough because, you know, last year you did this, said this or whatever. So I think what we can bring into the modern day is fighting fair is to stay at the issue at hand. Don't bring up something, dig up something from six months ago or last year's summer vacation that you know went badly. Stay with the issue at hand, and don't be afraid to call time out. I remember yes, Carlton used to come in. Put the brakes on, exactly. Put the put brakes, the brakes on. on. One of the points you made a minute ago. I'm going to just take out a great big red marker. I'm going to underline it, which <laughs> is the business of fighting fair means no name calling. Mm -hmm. No putting the other person down, 
Uh-huh. No, uh, you know, telling them they're stupid, they're crazy, uh, you're spoiled, you don't do this, you don't do that. Because they didn't do these savage attacks that a lot of yeah. people think are part of fighting or being upset and then pass it off with, oh, but I was upset. There yes, are being rules upset. and there are boundaries. What that is is immature behavior. Yes. That's not dignified, mature behavior when you cross those boundaries and think it's okay. Absolutely. Being upset is human, but it doesn't give us the license for a full frontal attack on someone else, uh, whether their value is as a spouse, as a professional, as a member in the community. When we're angry, you know, civility goes out the window, but so does rational thought. And we can end up tossing in all manner of different things to put the person down and to belittle them in an effort to you know, in a power play to make ourselves feel better or on top of the fight. And that comes at a really steep price, both for us as individuals, but also for the future of our relationship. And as you said, you know... it shows that the number one thing that ruins relationships and actually destroys them is that very thing. It's being overly aggressive. People who are aggressive in the tone of voice, the words they choose, their behavior... These are the people who are actually, you know, I talked about the garden earlier, in the garden mowing it down. So people, please think about using heart power. One of the things we teach in our True Love, True Prosperity Mastermind program are the 12 powers of the heart, compassion, understanding, wisdom, poise, balance, self-control. Those are signs of a mature, evolved person. And one of the things we see with Downton Abbey are these people, even when they're upset, always demonstrating good manners and maturity. Now, last thing, we only have a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Please, Alicia, what kinds of manners from Downton Abbey would you most like to transplant to the modern day and to modern lovers? Well, it is from Downton Abbey, but it's also what I think of, Dr. Brenda, as signals from the sandbox. The please, the thank you, the sense of give and take in a relationship. So many people just don't thank each other in a marriage or relationship for the very small things. If your sock drawer magically fills itself, if a meal magically appears on the table every night, take the time to say thank you. This is delicious. It made the difference at the end of the day. When we compliment our partners that's important and when we compliment our partners in front of others and we're adding to their esteem and we're we're acknowledging all the gifts that they have for the world that's so important and I would say too compassion as you said compassion kindness is not weakness it is a strength celebrate it and make it part of your relationship every day beautiful and you get the last word. If we're going to sit down now and have a cup of tea, Downton <laughs> Abbey style, what would you most like us to talk about if you and I were in a relationship? I'd want to know, just on a practical level, what you're, what's concerning you at the moment. Firstly, just how's your day been? What have you got up to? Did anything concern you? I, just, I want to know. What's making you tick at the moment? What, if anything, is preoccupying you? If anything, you found amusing? There are so many different levels and seeds of thought that go through our day. I just want to start with that because that will always lead us down. Ah, Thank you so much. And everyone, I want you to know Alicia Young has a website. It's www.aliciayoung.net. That's A-L-I-C-I-A. 
young, just like being young and gorgeous, which she is, .net. And if you haven't treated yourself to Downton Abbey, for goodness sake, PBS has a big special going on right now inside Downton. See what you can learn by going back in time and maybe even going back in time in your own family and saying, I'm going to install some of these manners and these things that maybe my family hadn't had a chance to learn. All right, so great having you with us, Alicia. Thank you. Thank to you, LeGrand Dr. Green. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you to LeGrand Green, our producer, to Cliff Dunning, our associate producer. And coming up next week, we have Colleen O'Grady talking about mother-daughter conflict. Ooh. Mm, that'll be interesting. I have two daughters. I'll think about what I can learn there. All right. Be with us next week, everybody. Blessings. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>